0: Welcome to the Coast Life Church Podcast. We exist to lead people to the abundant life in Christ. For a great way to stay connected throughout the week, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message.
1: Would you stand on your feet? Give Yanni and Anna Mishuk a great, great hand. Thank you for that. And just, just remain standing for a moment. Uh, We've got a special guest that is going to come help me bring the Word of God today. And so I want you to help me welcome my lovely wife, Pastor Heidi Warman, to the stage. What's up? Hey. So, good morning. Just stand with us for a moment. We want to say a great big welcome to everybody who's here for the first time and everybody joining us online. We're so glad you're here. Come on, would you give them a warm welcome today? And we're going to stand and pray together. Uh, Heidi and I are going to be bringing a message on marriage, love, God's plan for human sexuality. And Babe, would you just would you just start us in prayer this morning? Yes,
0: Lord Jesus, thank thank you so much for. Being with us this morning, God, I, I thank you for the opportunity that you've given Jason and I to to bring this word, God. And I pray that you are here with us. I pray, Lord, that hearts will be touched and moved and delivered, God. And I pray that you can do what only you will do. In Jesus' name, Amen.
1: And everybody said, Amen. 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 Before you're seated, find somebody you don't know, find a stranger, tell them I love you from the bottom of my heart, and then you can be seated today. Um, was that awkward or did you meet somebody? Did you? Was there any love connections that happened in the room? So we're, it's Super Bowl and Valentine's Day. We're trying to navigate both of those things. So if you're a married couple, uh, I hope you score a touchdown. Amen, somebody? <laughs> Praise God. Uh, and uh, we're, in a, we're in a collection called Going Nuclear. And last week we, we talked about Uh, the fight for the family. Come on, anybody got some fight in your heart for family? And uh, we talked last weekend about spotting leaven in our understanding of family. And so this weekend, we're going to talk about what is... I believe the foundation of the family, and that is marriage relationships and God's plan for marriage. But I want to read the verse we read last weekend. I'm going to read it again. It's found in Matthew chapter 16, verses 11 and 12. And it's a little bit different translation this weekend. It's the New Living Translation. And it says, Why can't you understand that I'm not talking about bread? So again, I say, beware of the yeast or what we identified as leaven last weekend. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then at last they understood he wasn't speaking about the yeast in bread, but about the deceptive teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And this weekend, we talked God's recipe for family. This weekend, we're gonna talk about God's recipe for love. I wanna give you some ingredients on how to make sure the love that God has given us is uncontaminated by the deceptive teaching of the world. And how many of you in the room know that we are in a battle for language? We're in a battle for language. Words matter. If you didn't know that, words matter. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. I've always heard it said that words shape worlds. And some people take that a little too far, but it does have great context that the words that you're saying eventually will begin to shape the world that you're seeing. And, and we're, we're going to talk about how we're in a battle for language. And, and how many of you know words matter and the meaning of words matter? Right. Yeah. Like okay. what words mean? And if you if you missed the, the message last weekend, I want to encourage you to take a few minutes and go back and check that message out. We, we preach in collections, which means uh, we'll take, there, there, we do standalone sermons just based on a common theme. So each message is just a, sort of its own thing, but it's within a theme. And, and we don't really do series, but this, this collection, it does matter. And I think if you would t- spend a few minutes going back, go to YouTube, go to the podcast, ev- I want everybody in our church to hear that message because it's yeah. going to help you understand the rest of what we're talking about. Yeah. And we talked about last weekend, the leaven. Of critical theory and how it's influencing culture. And I want to talk today uh, about a branch off of that tree, and it's something that's called deconstruction. Anybody ever heard the word deconstruction? Like it's, it's a phrase that you'll hear, it's popular on social media. And, and in order to understand deconstruction, you gotta remember that critical theory seeks to tear down social constructs that it sees as power structures that are holding people down. That 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 the way society is formed is a power structure that is oppressing people, and one of the things that it wants to de- to tear down is what's called the nuclear family. So last week we talked about, hey, we're gonna we're gonna fight for God's idea of family. We're gonna stand in God's idea of family, and this week we're we're gonna talk about love, marriage, and God's recipe for human sexuality, and and deconstruction is is something that was really created by a French philosopher named Jacques Derrida. You know, you know Jacques?
0: We go way back. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're like.
1: You don't, you don't know Jacques. Uh, <laughs> Jacques. Jacques Derrida is credited with being sort of the father of deconstruction. His, his philosophy on language is now playing in and permeating our culture. Because deconstruction, and and this is, we could spend months talking about deconstruction, so this is like a five-minute sketch on on what this is, but deconstruction is the questioning or redefining of the meaning of words. So it's questioning whether or not a word means that, and it's redefining what the word means. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the person who controls the dictionary controls the world. So how can you tear down, like, it seems silly, how can you tear down a whole society? Like, how how could you ever do that? It's simple. You just change the meaning of words and the understanding of words. And it changes the the culture. And and a couple of things about the shift in language. Number one is this, meaning is no longer derived by what you say, it's derived by the understanding of the hearer. Mm. Because truth isn't out there, truth is in here. So it doesn't matter what you intended to say, it only matters what I intended to hear. Wow. So if what you said wasn't offensive, if I felt offense, it doesn't matter what you said, it mattered what I felt because my truth is greater than your truth. Does that make sense, wow. anybody? That's so good. And uh, so you got to be careful on what you say because you'll get canceled for things you didn't say just because somebody implied what you said instead of what you actually said. Right. And then you've got to be careful because you can say one thing and then it means something completely different to the other person because there's no universal understanding of what a word means. Wow. And and the cultural, and and what I would describe as spiritual battle of our society right now, and this is really important for Christians, for church people, it's not using the right words, it's using the right meaning of the right words.
0: Right,
1: yes. Because the leaven of critical theory does a couple of, it does several things, but I want to give you two specific ones. Here's the leaven of critical theory. One is it seeks to blur boundaries. We're going, to just, we're going to just kick sand over all the, all the lines and we're just going to blur it. And then the second thing is, is it seeks to harness the power of language to shift culture. We're going to harness language. Now let's talk about boundaries for a second. First of all, God has established some boundaries. Yes. Proverbs twenty two twenty eight tells us, don't move the ancient landmarks that your fathers have set. It's, it's the blurring of boundaries. Right now there's boundaries being blurred between gender, between male and female. There's boundaries being blurred between what is marriage and what isn't marriage. There's even, and you'll see this on the news, like there's the blurring of boundaries called borders and that sovereign nations are actually God's design, not a social construct, by the way. And people believe that if we blur all the boundaries, if we blur all the borders, the world will get better. The problem is God said, be careful about removing boundaries because what you feel like may be holding you back might be holding something out that is destructive to you. And it might not be holding oppression in. It might, those boundaries actually might be holding the blessing that you're experiencing in. And what people are not realizing when they're tearing down boundaries is you're not setting yourself free. You're bringing oppression into your life that the boundaries that God set aren't keeping you from something. They're keeping something for you that's bringing the blessing of God in your life. And those boundaries that God set, they are not for your oppression. Those are actually the boundaries that help set you free in your life.
0: Good, yeah, come on.
1: And those are the ones that, that set us free. And it's okay. And there's a lot of people. If you if you're on social media, you've seen you've seen the Christian, uh, like de- who's got the deconstruction page, and they're like, "Well, I'm going to deconstruct." That that's listen. Let's let's remove all the man-made barriers. Like let's 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 look through and see what are the man-made barriers. But can I just caution you? You better not remove the God-made barriers because right. those are the ones that are bringing the blessing of yeah. God in all of your life. Right. So like, yeah, let's, let's look at maybe what are things that were just the traditions of man, but we can't get confused with what's the commandments of God and the traditions of man. Like we still live by the commandments of the almighty God.
0: Yeah, it's
1: good. And, and harnessing the power of language to shift culture means that words have either changed meaning or have lost meaning. And so we need to define words, words like mercy. Right. Yep. Like what is actual mercy? What is biblical mercy? Words like justice. I had to, I had to recognize real quick that I couldn't say social justice because when I say social justice, it means unbiblical things to people. So I had to back up and start saying a phrase called biblical justice. Even the word violence. Y'all heard this one? Oh, you woke up and chose violence today. It's funny. There's some of it's funny. But the problem is, is violence is no longer somebody who is physically attacking you, it's just somebody who's disagreeing with you. And just because somebody disagrees with you doesn't mean they're choosing violence, it just means they have a different opinion than you. But yeah. the language is getting shifted in order to, in, to make a men, an enemy and a victim of somebody just over the simple use of language. Yes. Yeah. And since it's Valentine's Day or almost Valentine's Day, can we talk about the word love? Love.
0: Yeah. Come on.
1: Come on. We're Christians. We love some love. Yeah. Can I just say this? We're suckers for love. Yeah. Because how many of you know the word love is all through the Bible? But I don't know that there's a word that has more leaven in it today than the word love. Right. More contamination. Wow. Like popular phrases like love wins. Mm. Like you'll hear it. Love wins. It sounds like such a great phrase, but it depends on your definition of love. Right. First John 4, 8 tells us, anyone who does not love does not know God. Watch this. Because God is love. And we, we need to establish this. Okay, you ready? The only one who can define love is the one who is love. God's yeah. the only one who can define what love is. Good. Yeah. And so we want to talk about God's recipe for love. If we follow God's recipe for love, we can get the leaven out. In other words, I want to know what love is.
0: I want you to show me. I want to know what love is. Come on,
1: you're gonna. Jo- I'm not hanging with that. I'm just, not trying to match that.
0: You just dropped me.
1: I just dropped you. So can we talk about can we talk about God's ingredient for love so we can define what it is? And it's really simple. We're going to give you two main biblical ingredients for love and human sexuality. By the way, this is Mark chapter 10, verses five through nine, and this is, this is Jesus, okay? So uh, what happens when people deconstruct is they try to separate the Old Testament from the New Testament, and they try to say the Old Testament doesn't matter, the Old Testament still matters. And then they try to separate the teachings of Paul from the teachings of Jesus. And here's the thing, uh, when, you, when you're trying to differentiate, Paul is the only person that Jesus came back for to personally convert into right. Christianity. So I think his words matter, but here's the real thing, is yeah. we take the whole word of God as the truth. But if you wanna be a stickler, this is Jesus, okay? So these, right. are, these are Jesus's words. Matthew chapter 10, That's verses it. five through nine. This isn't Old Testament, this isn't Paul, yeah. this is Jesus. Matthew 10, five through nine. And Jesus said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, Jesus himself uses the Old Testament as the truth. From the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. We'll get into that in a couple of weeks. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And ingredient number one that God defines as love is a covenant. Yes. It's a covenant relationship between a man and a woman and God. Yes. And the world defines, here's how the world defines love, is it defines love as, any, as a commitment between any two people in a relationship. Right. Like if you, have, if you have commitment, then you have a relationship. Right. God says commitment isn't relationship. God says I define love as a covenant-based relationship between a man and a woman. And, and a man and a woman being married is not a social construct. It's a kingdom design. Yes. It's what God yes. designed. Yep. And we want to talk about a little bit about what's the difference between a commitment-based relationship and a covenant-based relationship.
0: Yeah, you know, and a commitment-based relationship is an agreement between two people and they decide whether or not it is working. They can just say, you know what? It's over. The marriage can end. Two people can just separate or break up. A covenant-based relationship is an agreement between a man and a woman in partnership with God. It's a promise to live by His design, by God's design. A commitment-based relationship can be based on your feelings or circumstances, but how many know that those fluctuate so, so much? Right. Our, fle- our feelings change all the time. Our circumstances are good, or bad. It changes But a covenant-based relationship is based on our faith in God and our trust in His Word. And a commitment-based relationship can be based on feelings, again, and, you know, if my needs are being met or not, or if I don't feel in love. And I've just talked to so many of my friends and, and so many people that tell me, they're like, you know what, we just... We're not in love anymore. I just don't feel, it just doesn't feel the same. You know, we've drifted away. Um, I'm just not attracted to him anymore. I just, we just, we just aren't in love. We just don't feel in love. We're not, we're not happy. And um, anymore, but the relationship can then end in divorce. And before I was married, and you know, when I was in relationships that were just based on commitments and if there was a time that, you know, they weren't there for me or there was another girl because... There was times that there was another girl, and sometimes there was two girls. Um, Let me just say, or if they didn't buy me flowers, done. That was it. It was over, because it was based on just my decision. And in a commitment-based relationship, I can walk away, because it's only based on my decision. I'm the one that that decides. And in a covenant-based relationship with God, it's not based on my decision. It's based on God's design. And when Jason and I were together, we were um and when we were engaged we were so in love we're still so in love but when we were in love we were just oh we were soaking it all in and and just doing all the the new things that we had discovered with one another going to our favorite restaurants and um, watching a lot of our favorite movies and i think we we love to travel we still love to travel but and he wrote the most um, like romantic letters and he is just such an iman- romantic man, and still is, but we were just enjoying this new love, and, you know, we shared so many interests, and we still do, but, and then we we started pre-marriage counseling, and how many know that... That changed a lot when we started making a list of our expectations for one another and what we would do for, for one another. Um, we Making that list, we found out there was a lot of differences between you and I, a whole lot. You know, we were merging our worlds together. You know, we, um, our money, our families, we found out differences like, you are probably not going to want to watch The Bachelorette with me anymore. Probably not ever. <laughs> Wow! Surprise! Uh, my money became our money. I knew how to live a really good single life. Come on, I knew I knew about money. I knew how to spend it well, you know, and date and take care of me and my needs and myself. I think I knew how to do some laundry. I I, I don't think I messed on it up on it too bad. I think I did that pretty well. Um, I knew how to make a grilled cheese and um, I think uh, macaroni and cheese. Let's just say I think I really loved cheese. Um, And as we began to write things down, you know, and and what we would take responsibility over, like the things in our home, um, we realized we were going to really have to work together. And we knew that God was going to have to have our help. And when I looked back at that workbook that we did in our marriage counseling, I realized I actually assigned things for you to do. <laughs> <laughs> things like, one thing I saw was that you were going to fill up my gas tank <laughs> when it was on empty, you know, I mean, because you would always know when it would need to be <laughs> right, yeah. filled up.
1: The I Holy mean, that, Spirit tells you know, me what it's that, empty. Yeah,
0: I... You know, that's serving me, you know, like, you know, you're, you're serving so we knew from going from being engaged that our world was going to look so different, you know, from going from being engaged to married, that we, when we would enter a covenant relationship that Jesus would be in the center of our marriage and that um, he was definitely going to have to be in it to help us move forward. And a covenant is defined as a spiritual bond between you and your spouse with God. And when you enter a covenant marriage, you're, you're making a promise to God and each other to love honor and cherish one another until until death and you know jesus said in the verse that we read in mark 10 that god's design was for male and female to be joined together and to become one and it says let nothing split them apart no circumstances nothing and becoming one also means one intimately meaning that we that you and i that we are only going to be exclusive to one another. Nobody else, uh, our eyes are for on each other and hello, you're looking good.
1: Hey, hey.
0: (laughs) And when we have a covenant marriage, it is Jesus at the center of us. And Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And um, Jesus holds our relationship together when we live a life of faithfulness to God.
1: Yeah, you know, as pastors, we've been, Coast Life will turn 12 years old this year And, you know, you get you just get a front row to observe a lot of stuff. And one of the things that we've observed uh, a lot as pastors, and we can tell you this, is every time a couple moves away from God, the marriage weakens like every time without fail. Because a two-fold cord just isn't as strong as a three-fold cord. Right. Right. And one of the greatest things you can do in your marriage is just leaning into your relationship with God. Because the stronger your relationship with God is, the stronger your marriage is.
0: That's so good. Ephesians 5.31 says, A man leaves his father and mother and, it is, and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And, and I, I really thought about that. I thought, if you break any part of that, you're really just saying, you know you just don't trust god that you know really it's kind of scary because then you're saying you know what actually i'm in control right right i i'm in charge i'm the one that's in charge of my life and i don't i don't want to be in charge of my life i got enough things that i'm that i'm walking through and i need jesus <laughs> yeah. but a three fold cord isn't easily broken and i love that i love that jesus is at the center he's the one that's that's holding our relationship together that's holding those cords together and i'm so glad that you and i that we have a covenant that is woven by by Jesus with our love and and with with Jesus, and that our love is unconditional, that neither one of us are in control, or we're trying to win, or that that there's forgiveness and grace. Some couples are married and, you know, they really live like they were really in a commitment-based relationship and they have separate bank accounts. I've, I've talked to so many friends that they go on separate vacations. They have a whole separate life. Their, their lives are separate. They, they have a whole separate vision for what their life and their spouse is going the other And this really creates so much confusion, even in the family, such unhealth, division and disunity. But God's plan is that a man and a woman would sit under him and follow his ways and walk together in unity. And you know, there's, this really reflects God's glory for, for others around and for also just a healthy family.
1: Yeah. And you know, when you're in a commitment-based relationship, people say, well, we're, we're not in love anymore. So here's what we need to define. If you're in covenant, you're in love. Because covenant is the ingredient of love, not your commitment or your feelings. And we need to define that the way that you enter into a covenant is through sexual intimacy. And I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm not trying to be judgmental. But the reason why so many of us have a lot of work to do in our lives is because before we knew Jesus, we were entering covenant and breaking covenant with people and we didn't realize it. And what God says is that that intimacy is the covenant. The ceremony that we do is us bringing God first into the relationship. And then the physical intimacy that we save for marriage is our covenant that the two are becoming one. Does that make sense, everybody? And so, like, that's, that's the covenant that God has established between a man and a woman. And here's the incredible thing. Where there's covenant, there's confidence. Like, why do we have distrust? Why do we struggle? It's because we have confidence when there is a covenant that it's not based on our feelings and it's not based on our commitments, which can change. It's based on God's word, God's design, God's plan and his word, which is unchanging and eternal. And I just want to speak to single people for a minute that if, if you're in a relationship, a covenant relationship with God, what you're learning is you're already learning how to show up for somebody else. Like that, that relationship with God is so powerful because it's teaching you how to show up for somebody else and stay in a covenant relationship. Yeah. And then it gives you something to look for. Right. And now you're looking for somebody else who's in a covenant relationship with God. Because mm-hmm. guess what? If they can't turn up in a covenant relationship with God, what makes you think they're gonna turn up in a covenant relationship yeah. with you? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And it's, it's not just commitment. It's not just what well, we're in love. Come on, it's we are in covenant relationship with one another. Here's the second ingredient the the bible gives us for love it comes from romans chapter 5 verse 8 it says but god shows his love for us in that while we were sinners christ died for us here's the second ingredient for love and it's sacrifice love love isn't what we get for ourselves it's what we give for others and here's how the world defines love is attraction if you're attracted, then you're in love. But attraction, it's important. I'm not here to downplay it. Like, I think you should, the, the physical attraction is a real thing. But attraction isn't a biblical ingredient for love. Sacrifice is. Right. Yeah. And, and who, are you, who are you willing to sacrifice for? And sacrifice is not only li- not living for only ourselves, but for the well-being of others.
0: Right. That's so good. Um, The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 2 through 3, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. And, you know, this takes walking together with Jesus, serving one another. We're not serving, we're not out for our own needs or our own self. We are looking out for the needs of our our spouse, being patient with each other, having grace in our faults, forgiveness for one another. And it says, make every effort united with peace. Wow, that that will take a lot to, to make every effort. And there's definitely a peace and security, knowing for us that whatever we go through, the good, the bad, the rough stuff through sickness and let's just say COVID, right? <laughs> <laughs> that you aren't going to walk away, that we are going to stay together, that we are going to get counseling. Uh-huh. We're going to pray. We're going to fight together yes. that we are going to win the victory yes. in Jesus. And because we've made a covenant through Jesus to walk together and it's not easy to do it. It's not easy to do it on our own. Like we're, we're not asked to do it on our own in our own strength it takes faithfulness to God, to one another. It takes sacrifice. And I think, when I think of the ultimate sacrifice, I think of Jesus. You know, he died, he gave his life so that we would be saved. And it was just a, a free gift that that he gave when he died on the cross. And living a sacrificial life, um, it, it, it's not self-seeking. I'm not, oh, can you meet my needs? What right. are you going to do for me? It's not selfishness. It's not, it's selfless it's not selfish and I love what you said it's what we give to others it's what we give and when I think of sacrifice it's the time that you put into love and care for your spouse the sleep that you give up the lack of blankets because they steal them even though you you say that I keep stealing them I wake up cold in the night and it's because you're sleeping and you don't realize it and yes you steal them that's because
1: you stole them and I stole them back (laughs) like I took back what the devil stole
0: so you're supposed to serve your spouse and give Give extra blankets, but it's, it's listening to their heart, serving, cooking their favorite meal, watching their shows instead of what you would want to watch, letting them choose where you want to go to eat or on vacations. This is all selfless, but it really is given out of a heart to love. And when I think about sacrifice and marriage, I think, you know, just as Jesus gave his life, it wasn't something he was forced to do. He was like, "Oh, I, I, you know, I'm forced to do this." It wasn't out of striving or right. proving or earning. He, when he died for us, he died out of love, and it was yes. it was just given to us, and we didn't have to give anything back to him in return. And you know, I think a lot of times, you know, when we don't if we don't understand God's love, and if we if we don't know Him personally you know, we look at it as conditional and with strings attached. And like, there's things that we need to do to to earn this love. And it's it becomes my way, and um, we're fighting to 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 get it and to and to earn it. And um, there's dishonor that that comes in, and I th- I begin to think, you know, but why do I want why do I want to live God's way? And there were so many um, verses and responses that came to my to my mind. And um, but Psalms thirty seven twenty three says, "The Lord directs the steps of the godly; He delights in every detail of their lives." And I got I got so just overwhelmed and excited about this verse because he delights. He yes. delights and he cares. He cares about me, He about every detail. He's happy. He has joy when I walk in his ways. He directs my every step. I want him to guide my every step. I need him to guide my every yeah. step. I don't want to walk this life alone. I need Jesus in my every step. And in Proverbs 18, it says, he who finds a good way he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And wives, I just want to say, we are good things. <laughs> Babe, I'm a good thing to yes. you. And, and husbands, you've got favor. Yeah. <laughs> and the point is that if you surrender to God, he has good plans for you. Yes. He, has a, he has plans for a future and a hope. He has plans to prosper you, yes. for many blessings, to for your life to overflow in abundance. God has such great things for your life if you follow his plan. And that's what sacrifice looks to me in marriage. It looks like abundance. It looks like great things, good things that he has for me. And it's built on God's love. And I choose. I get to be married to you. I I get to keep God first in my life, to trust his voice. I get to pray for his will in my life, for his will in your life, to pray and to respect you, to be faithful no matter what. I get to do that. Also, sacrifice looks looks like submission. And in Ephesians 5.21, it states, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And can I say, can we reclaim this word submission? Yes. Everyone, can we just... Submission does not mean being dominated by another person. It's a surrender to a role God has called us to play in our marriage. Women, you are not a doormat to your husband, and man, she is not in control over you. God has called the wife to cooperate alongside the husband as they move forward together in life, together. They, they're walking together towards the same goal. And it looks like surrendering control in all of my life and everything it look it means surrendered a surrendered life faithful to god to my husband and his will for my life it means surrendering my desires my opinions come on we all have we all have our own opinions my way of being right that's a that's a big one (laughs) sacrifice is definitely not easy but it is god's plan and jesus you know he was selfless and he served others. I mean, Jesus walked on this earth and he said, "Come on, just come follow me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you." He served. That was that was Jesus. And you know, we are selfless when we serve our spouse. And and one thing that I found out is that um, he loves to have his truck looking clean and good and fine. That is one thing that he loves. And you know, our family we love to go to Culver's. Oh man, I love Culver's. I love their cheeseburgers. I love their fries, but most of all, I love their, I think they're called concrete mixers. All the things that you put in them, all the Reese and Hersh, um, Hershey and all the, oh man, it's so amazing. So we like to go as, and we could have fun family nights in the truck and we're like, oh, let's, let's, let's get all this and eat. And then a lot of times, you know, we leave all that Culver's crap, I said crap, yeah. in his truck and all the water balls, water balls, <laughs> bottles and all the stuff and it's just in there and i thought you know what i can bring all this stuff in for him because and it's not something that i'm trying to earn like oh maybe he's going to do that for me you know it just shows that i see him it's it's i it shows i see you i see you babe i respect you you. (laughs) i care and also you know it was a sacrifice to choose to say yes to ministry you know, we said yes to evangelizing, which is this thing that you that you do um, when you go and preach out and travel. And well, he would preach and I would sing, but it was a huge step of faith because it is ministry, but it is also how you receive your income. And you know, I remember um, a time when um, you didn't have a place to go and evangelize and preach out. And how many know that you need a paycheck when the rent is due, right? And so I remember um, like just praying, like God, like I know that you're our provider, God. And you know, hello, <laughs> we need a place to stay. Um, you know, send help. And um, but I remember praying, and like each and every time, He would always send. Yep. He would always send a place for us to go preach. He would, there would always, if not, be a blessing that would just come yep. through. He was always there for us. His abundance. His blessings would just overflow in our lives. And another sacrifice was when you got the call to preach and take this church here. And I don't know if you've went to step... One in growth track and heard that story. But if you haven't, there's a plug. You need to go and hear that story. But our story is, um, you know, it was a sacrifice for, for me to say yes as well. Because at the time, you know, we had two little kids. And, and we lived thousands of miles away away in Michigan. And, and I can tell you at that time, um, I was settled in my heart to stay. Because I wanted to raise my kids around my family around by friends and in a big church that we had, and, you know, that was, if it, if it would have been my way, I would have said, no way, we're not moving, there's no way that we're moving. But, you know, it was a sacrifice, and it was a step of faith, and, you know, as we took that step of faith, we, we saw what God did, He began to move and bring people, and now we are here today.
1: Yeah, come on, when you stand together, you stand under the blessing of the right. Almighty God. Right. God blesses that surrender and that sacrifice. And we struggle with sacrifice because sacrifice is a struggle. Yeah. And what's, what's God's definition of love? It's sacrificing our will for his. Like yeah. that's, that's the, the, the sacrifice. We surrender our desires. Listen, we, sur- we surrender our attractions. We surrender our affections to God's plan. So what's God's plan? Like how does God define love? it's sacrifice. So if you're single, how do, you, how do you surrender yourself? How do you stay in a place of sacrifice? If you're single, you surrender your sexuality to Jesus and you say, it's not my will, it's your will. Yeah. And we know that when I lean into that sacrifice, it's going to turn out well what happens when I'm married, but I'm struggling in, 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 in being faithful to my spouse and ha- having eyes for them. What do we do? We, surac- we sacrifice, we surrender who we are and we trust Jesus. And at the end of that sacrifice, it's going to turn out well. What do we do if we're same sex attracted? And the Bible says that sexuality is for a man and a woman in a covenant relationship with God. What do we do with same sex attraction? Listen, it's the same game plan. You surrender your sexuality to God's plan, and if you will surrender to His plan, it will turn out well. And what we do is we differentiate between same-sex attraction and opposite-sex attraction. But can I tell you that all sexual attraction is really strong? Because the Bible tells us two things: we're broken, but we're sexual people. So do you know what we are in this room? We're all sexually broken people. That's what we are, and we all have to surrender our brokenness to God's plan and. There's no difference. I could take any young man in this room and he is attracted to every girl that moves in this room right now. Like there, there is no stronger thing in a life. And then we say, well, it's different than same sex attraction. No, all attraction is strong, but all attraction gets broken and submitted to Jesus and say, I'll trust your plan. And I'll believe that you care about every detail of my life. And we just need... We we need to lean into this, that all of us, you know what all of us are called to do, regardless of what our struggle is in the brokenness of our sexuality? All of us are to say, there's one king and it's not my sexual desire, it's Jesus. And I'm gonna live by God's plan. And when we find God's design, then we find God's blessing. And our culture, sexuality has become an identity because our culture identifies itself sexually. And I wanna ask you this, are you gonna base your identity on your broken sexuality or are you going to base your identity on who God says you are and God's design for sex? And we're a little over. Will you give me two more minutes? Will you two? Okay. And I want, to, I want to speak to this because there's people who are struggling. Struggling with opposite sex attraction in a, in a sex-saturated world. And there's people who are struggling with same-sex attraction in a sex-saturated world. And here's what I want you to know. The problem isn't in the struggle. The problem is when you cave to your own desires right. it's and move away from living by God's plan. Right. Here's what Paul said. If you want to know where we're at, you need to go read Romans chapter one. If you want to know where we're at in culture, go read Romans chapter one. Paul said, therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Why are we dealing with leaven? Because we need to identify the lies, so we don't trade the truth for the lie. Does that make sense? And they worship and served the creature. In other words, we're elevating sexuality to be our God rather than honoring the Creator of who we are. And He's the one that's blessed forever. Amen. And, and Paul said, "This is essentially what he's saying: is God gave them up." How many of you know God will respect your decisions? Essentially, it's God saying, if that's what you wanna do, I'll let you go do it. I won't bother you anymore. I won't, I won't try to reach out. I won't try to, mani- I, won't, I won't do all of that stuff. I won't, I won't keep bothering you. If that's what you want, then I'll just let you go that way. I won't bother you anymore, which is good news because if you're struggling, I want you to know that you haven't gone too far. God's still got some grace on your life that if you're struggling, just don't give up because I wanna make you one promise. If you won't give up on God, God will not give up on you. He will be faithful every step of the way. And when we, when we surrender our desires to God's design, that's when we find God's best for our life. Because when we surrender to him, we find out he really does care about every detail of your life. He fulfills every single thing in your life. Come on, would you stand with me today all across the room? We wanna do something just for a moment. And can we just do some ministry time in the presence of God? I want to pray for marriages. I want to pray for single people. I want to, I want to pray for those that are struggling maybe in their, in their, in their sexuality and their identity. Can we just pray and ask God, uh, first of all, don't, don't give up on us. Uh, we're, we're staying in this fight. We're staying in this fight. I'm gonna I'm sit in the struggle. I I may be struggling, but if I'm struggling, I've still got a chance. I've still got a fight that if I'm struggling, God's struggling with me, that he's right here with me. The problem is that when we struggle, the problem is when we stop struggling and we just go that way and we just neglect God and we just have no place for him. And we wonder how can people think that way? How can people believe that way? It's because God just chose. If that's where you want to go, then you can go there. I'll let you do that. But how many of you are thankful that God's still working on you? God's still struggling with you. God's still convicting you. God's still dealing with your life and 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 moving on you and i just want to i hope this is encouraging like if you're struggling here's some good just keep struggling just keep fighting just stay with it and come on all across this room can we lift hands and pray father i pray right now i pray for marriages right now god in the in the middle of it all they don't we don't see that our marriages are not just a reflection of two people our marriage is a reflection of jesus and the church of Christ's commitment to his church. And the reason the enemy wants to destroy our marriage is because he wants to destroy all the image of God on the earth. He wants to destroy God's plan. And Father, we stand together, not based on our feelings, not based on our commitments. We stand in a covenant with the Almighty God. And we declare that, Father, you are breathing new life, that you are seeing us through. And we declare that this is where God has given us. God, in the beginning, you called man and woman to be together, to dominate. And we just declare that as we stand together, that we are called to conquer, we are called to dominate, we are called to move forward, we're called to leave legacy, we're called to be blessed, we're called to prosper. And I speak it over every marriage in this room. I pray for every single person in this room that maybe is struggling through this season of loneliness. And it would be so easy to cave to our own desires. It's just us. No one knows. No one sees. But God, I pray for everyone that's staying in the fight. And it's a struggle. But God, years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, they're going to be so grateful that they stuck with it because they're going to find out that you care about every detail of their lives. And I pray for those that maybe are struggling with broken sexuality, with same-sex attraction. God, first of all, I pray. I pray that they would know that church is a safe place to struggle. That they didn't walk into a room full of people different than them. They walked into a room full of people who are broken and just surrendering that brokenness to Jesus and hanging on to him for everything that we're worth. And it's not because of who we are that we are what we are. It's because of who Jesus is that we are what we are. And I pray grace and I pray strength over every person in this room and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Come on. Could you give Jesus some praise in the room? We're, we're in a battle for language, which means we need to define what it means to be a Christian right now. What does it mean to be a Christian? It means somebody who's in a covenant relationship with God. It means that we don't just use God's love as a way to justify what we do. But we respond to God's love by receiving his word, the totality of his word, by receiving his design and living in a relationship with him, leaning in, not pursuing our flesh, but pursuing the Holy Spirit. It means we're not living by our ideas. We're living by the truth of God's word. Does that make sense, everybody? Like that's, that's what it means to be in a relationship, a covenant relationship with God. And here's, if you've ever read the Bible, you know there's two testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. A better way to say that is an old covenant and a new covenant. The old covenant was a, a covenant of ritualism and work where you're trying to earn the favor and the relationship with God. But here's the great thing about the new covenant is it's not a purchase by our effort. The new covenant has already been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. He's already paid for it. And the, and the, 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 the writer of Hebrews calls it a better covenant because I don't have to earn it. I just receive what God has for me. And if we could see it right now, if our eyes could see it on the other side of, our surrender on the other side of our yes is more grace than you could possibly imagine more forgiveness than you could ever ever even imagine more of God's goodness come on there's so much on the other side of this moment that we don't have to earn it we don't have to go through a ritualism we just have to respond to the love of Jesus Christ come on all across this room and if you're not in a relationship with Jesus I'm gonna pray and just simple prayer of faith we're going to believe that in this moment everything changes that you step into a covenant relationship with God that your surrender is putting you under the plan of God which is a plan to bless you and prosper you maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus or maybe you need to recommit your life but come on all across this room online everybody just say this prayer with me because there's some who are just reaching out and they're receiving the grace the forgiveness the mercy that is in this place In this moment, come on all across this room, online. Everybody say this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my past. Wash away my sin. Today I surrender. I receive you as my leader and my Lord. I am a new creation. Old has passed away and the new has begun. And I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, one more time. Can we give Jesus some praise in the room? Listen, I believe somebody in their heart just entered into a relationship with Jesus. That there there is a, a place of relationship. And if that was you, I want to count to three. And online, when I get to three, I just want you to type Jesus in all caps in this room. When I get to three, I just want you to shoot your hand in the air and say, today's a day of new beginnings. Today, I'm receiving God's grace. Today, I'm entering into a relationship with Jesus. Today, I'm forgiven. Today, I'm free. Today, I'm moving forward in Jesus. Come on, anybody ready for a new beginning, a new day? On the count of three, one two, come on, if that was you, three, would you just lift your hand, raise your hand and say, today's my day, online, type Jesus in all caps, come on, let me see, hands lifted up, hands lifted up, we want to celebrate you, we want to honor you, this is a moving forward day, come on, say welcome to the family of God. Hey, thank you for joining us, and a special thank you to those of you who give so faithfully and generously to this church. It's because of people like you that podcasts like this are possible, and you can click the link in the description to give now, or you can visit mycoastlifechurch.com, and if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love it if you subscribed, share it with your friends, so thank you for listening, and God bless you.